And welcome, friends, to Generations. Kevin Swanson, your host with you also, Steve Vaughn, from uh, Christian Home Educators of Colorado and Generations board member uh, with me on this edition. And coming directly out of the Iowa primaries, well, it looks like Trump took the primaries, won almost 99 out of the 99 counties in the state of Iowa. Big yay. Yeah. Real big yay. 51%, Fifty-one percent, it sounded like, and so they were—they were thinking he'd get fifty. The I think the liberal media was hoping he'd get forty-nine, so they could say it was a, a failure for him. But uh, he got fifty-one percent with DeSantis at a distant twenty-one percent, and I think Nikki Haley at nineteen, and Ramaswamy's out. Yep. So uh, I guess that's what happened in the twenty twenty-four primaries for. The presidential election in the United States of America. And uh, Donald Trump is probably going to be the candidate for the Republicans. I can't think of any other option at this point. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited. <laughs> you, you look excited. You sound excited. <laughs> okay. There's One a, of our gl- team there's suggested- a glow about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the glow about me, right. One of our team suggested that we talk too much about politics. Now, let me clarify that what we intend to do is bring all of it to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is king over all. And we don't want to turn politics into all of life. <laughs> okay, we, we want to bring everything to the feet of Jesus, all of life to King Jesus, but we don't want to turn politics into all of life. That would be a huge mistake. And that's one reason why our history books, you know, we look, read our history books, you find Oh, about 10, 15% of our history is about politics, kings, dictators, and presidents. The other 85% is about the fun stuff. <laughs> you know, to tell you the truth, I think politics and elections are rather boring, to be honest with you. Have you ever read an American history course where it's like 89% politics? Every election painfully drawn out over three, four, five, six, seven pages. And you are so bored afterwards. That's that's why we we want to include what's going on with the church, what's happening with the schools, the educational systems, cultural systems. Hey, politics is just a derivative, so don't get too excited. But I don't know. Do we talk too much about politics? I, I just think it's part of life. You know, no, you know, you don't want to make a hobby out of it, such that that's all you do: eat, drink, and breathe politics all day long. You know, I think I know some people like that, and they're just not healthy. Yeah, I know what you mean. With me, with coaching speech and debate, and especially policy debate, I do have to steep myself in it. But I agree with you. The uh, the election years, I just am so sick of elect of politics at that point. <laughs> at least I can. I I've learned a lot about energy policy and transportation policy this year, and and that's been fun. And uh, most of the yeah. time, I tell my students, you know, we need to get the government out of these things because it'd be so much better if we did. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's mostly what I teach. Just keep in mind, friends, if humans are going to make an impact on the world, it's not going to come through presidents, but through parents and pastors. Amen. That's the big takeaway I've got from finishing a world history course, some almost 1600 pages, by the way. Wow. It's not presidents that make much of an impact. It's Jesus. That made the impact in history big time. Napoleon was right. His dying words, Jesus was the most impacting person in all of history. Okay, so Napoleon turned out to be right on that one. But when it comes down to it, friends, it's not about the presidents. 
hey, the U.S. Supreme Court turned the decision on abortion back to the electorate. And, and now look what happened. The people voted pro-abortion every time, all the way down to Ohio. So, well, that worked out real good. The U.S. Supreme Court turned the decision back into the states and back into the electorates. Now look at what they did. Like, come on. Uh, we fought for three personhood amendments here in the state of Colorado. Steve, you probably remember I sponsored mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. In fact, the per- Planned Parenthood took me to the Colorado Supreme Court on, on that, and uh, we actually won that particular case. But we lost every single referendum. The electorate said, you got to be kidding. you got to be kidding. Americans want to kill their babies. Now, they may be pro-life of the polls. But when it comes to the referendums, when it comes to the voting booth, man, they will kill their babies. They want the right to kill babies. I'm sorry, but that's just the heart of the people. That's why what really matters is what's going on in the pulpits and the pastors and the parents. That's what matters more than anything else. Well, it's interesting. Before we take a break, Steve, one more thing, one more takeaway here on Donald Trump. I just want to point this out. Back in 2016, World Magazine found zero supporters for donald trump in the 2016 primary election among mainstream evangelical leaders all right that was 2016 in 2020 it was almost everybody falling all over themselves to endorse trump in the 2020 election then you get to the 2024 elections and uh crickets i'm not hearing these evangelical leaders stepping forward and saying he's my man i'm not hearing it yeah not not very many, if if any at all. You know, you you'll get. I'm sure you'll get some, but not really the big names. I'm not hearing it at our church. You know that. Mm-hmm. You know that this is where we need to go. It's, it's mm-hmm. really not a lot of people at the church I go to talk about this at all. Uh, there's a few, mm-hmm. but it's it's just not happening. Not a lot of excitement. Now I, I'm I'm guessing that the average evangelical is not thrilled what's with what's going on with President Joe Biden at this point, but. Donald Trump in the 2024 presidential election? What's what's with that? Let's get back to that next on Generations. This is Kevin Swanson with Steve. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we're back on Generations, Kevin Swanson and Steve Vaughn. And Steve, as we come into the presidential primaries, it was Donald Trump swept 
the Iowa primaries, I don't think anybody did this well in all of the history of Republican politics. Maybe going back all the way to Grover Cleveland or somebody like that. But, um, wow, they got 51% of the vote, uh, almost all 99 counties, I think, but one vote. He, he lost one county by a single vote. But he did very, very well. Now, the question is, are the evangelicals going to get behind Donald Trump? And the New York Times has a very interesting article on this, and I think this is somewhat representative of America. The article is written by Ruth Graham, and she presents a Trump that is supported by the conservative, sort of Christian evangelicalish voter. But what she says is that Trump is connecting with a different type of evangelical voter. They're not just the church-going conservative activists who once dominated the GOP. Why evangelical Christian voters have lined up behind Republican candidates for decades driving conservative cultural issues into the heart of the party's politics and making nominees and presidents of Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush. But no Republican has had a closer or more counterintuitive relationship with evangelicals than Mr. Trump. Which, you know, from the beginning, it was that way. 2016, you're looking at a guy with multiple divorces, a guy who, uh, well, didn't really think twice about whether or not to commit a violation of the Seventh Commandment. And, uh, you know, uh, he was uh, excusing himself and couldn't think of anything he'd done wrong for which he would ask God's forgiveness. You remember that comment he (laughs) made? I do remember Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) And so yet the evangelical voters are going, yeah, he's my man. He's my man. Uh, and, of course, many have stepped up and said, we're not voting for a pastor. We're voting for, you know, a president here. And so, you know, different reasons. Now, historically, it was the evangelicals that were, you know, interested in a pro-life. But that, I don't think, is a primary concern for the evangelical voter these days. Turns out that Governor Ron DeSantis has invested most heavily in courting Iowa evangelicals using a traditional playbook. He's secured the support of prominent evangelical leaders and attested to his hardline bona fides on abortion. And yet, you know, what pulled out, can't remember, but I think it was 12, 13 percent of the vote. DeSantis is not getting the rank and file, which are the uncommitted Christians, the undiscipled Christians uh, in the state of Iowa. Rather, you know, the leaders are getting behind him, but not the rank and file evangelicals, the blue collar evangelicals. The non-church attenders are going for Trump. And these are the people who are not committed Christians. They certainly are not pro-life activists. They're the good old boys. Who are these people? They call themselves evangelicals, and yet they're not attending church. They're conservatives, and I guess they just want to save the country. America, right or wrong kind of folks. Yeah, they're looking for somebody who, like like Trump. I mean, Trump stood up to China. He stood up to Russia. He did get the uh, three Supreme Court justices in that overturned Roe with the Dobbs decision. And so he's he's like them. He's sort of the bully to the bullies. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not going to be using diplomacy. He's not going to bow down to any other leader like Obama did. He's going to stand up to them. And I think that's where the, the good old boys are seeing them him as, you know, he's one of us. Uh, yeah. we, we like to stand up to people, and Trump does mm-hmm. the same thing. So he's, he's one of us. He goes after the bad guys, whoever they are. Now, that, that, of course, is the $100,000 question, right? Yeah, who are they? It's going after the bad guys. We, we got somebody going after the bad guys for us. Now, let's see. Who are the bad guys? 
well, it may be a little bit of we have found the enemy and it is us <laughs> kind of thing, you know, yeah. perhaps, perhaps we're the problem. I don't think that's occurred to the good old boys as much as perhaps it should. Now, so what does this tell us? Well, of course, you know, I'm not stepping out to endorse Donald Trump for the 2024 elections at this point. Steve, where are you on this? I'm just ready for it to be over <laughs> personally. Yeah, you already yeah, said that. I, but, um, you know, I, I would love to see somebody in there that fears God. And, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm going through the Bible again for the first time out of two times. I just got through Exodus and remember where Jethro said, you need to appoint some leaders to help you out in this. And you need people who fear God, who understand the law who can you know make those types of decisions, have good families, mm-hmm. just all of that. Those are the people that should be leading us. I think that the president of the United States should be somebody that could also be an elder at your local church. Well, yeah, I, I think so too. Now, I, I don't think he has to be, you know, quite Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3 kind of guy, but I do believe he needs to be a guy who, Fears God, hates covetousness, and uh, is uh, a man of truth, which is exactly what Exodus 18 bears out. And I, I go back and forth on this issue of whether Donald Trump fears God. I'm I con- convinced he fears Trump. You know, I'm convinced yeah. he's pro-Trump. I'm not sure he's pro-life, but I'm sure he's pro-Trump. Yeah. And he's pro-getting elected by evangelicals who happen to be pro-life. So I get all of that, but fundamentally, I need to... I need to know if this man fears God. That That's basic to me as well. Now, as you move down into this article for the New York Times, in 2008, over half of Republicans reported attending church at least once a month. According to this data back in 2008, 2022, over half reported attending church only once a year. So we're, we're certainly seeing Republican voters much, much less likely to attend church. This also very interesting from Iowa. Mr. Trump himself has become a model for embracing evangelicalism as an identity, not a religious practice. In 2020, he announced he no longer identified as a Presbyterian, but as a non-denominational Christian, a tradition closely associated with evangelicalism. It's rarely seen in a church, but a poll this fall by Harris X for the Desiree News found that more than half of Republicans see Mr. Trump as a person of faith. That's more than any other 2024 Republican presidential candidate and substantially more than President Biden, a lifelong Catholic who attends mass frequently Uh, in the farming community of Calhoun County. This would have been Iowa church adherence. Get this fell 31% from 2010 to 2020, the steepest decline in the state, even as 80% of the population continued to identify in surveys as white Christians, 70% cast their uh, ballots for Trump in 2020. So what you see is the Trump voters from Calhoun County are not attending church. 31% fall off in just 10 years. That's pretty impressive, I would say. So what we're looking at are people who are apostatizing from the Christian faith, very much likely to vote for Donald Trump as president of the United States. I think what we're looking at is a traditional American faith where people still embrace the title. You know, they're in name only, you've heard the term nominal. They want to retain the position of being a nominal Christian, and yet they have really very little interest in being a faithful, Bible-believing, repenting, believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, walking with Jesus, 
continue to assembling uh, themselves together as the manner of some is, lest they be hardened with the deceitfulness of sin kind of people. So what you're seeing is, you know, American apostasy. And American apostasy remains conservative for a generation or two while retaining the, the name of a Christian or of evangelical Christian, but at the same time, not willing to commit their life to Christ. Yeah, and that, that's a, you know, what, what do you call these people? I mean, uh, they're, they're definitely, you know, if they, if they haven't committed their life to Christ, then how can you say that they're evangelical Christians? Uh, they're, they're definitely conservatives. They see that the conservative aspect of the economy, of, you know, free market, of, you know, liberty, uh, those types of things, they, they're pro-life but they're pro more self than they are pro Christ. And, you know, so that's, you know, we're, we're going to get who God has already decided to put into office. And well, that's true. You know, we need to look, <laughs> we're going to need to look to him anyway. That's true. I mean, there's only one, there's only one kingdom that lasts forever. And mm-hmm. I tell my students this all the time. There's only one kingdom that's forever anyway. And that's God's kingdom. And it's never going to end. We need to look to Christ and we still need to do our civic duty. Yeah. We need to vote for who, you know, we, you know, we need to be okay with who we're voting for and, and be okay if we need to stand before Christ and say, I voted for him because that's what you need to be able to do, I think. Again, we want to be sure that we're responsible to obey the Lord Jesus Christ in every aspect of life, right in there in the voting booth. But remember, that's approximately 20 minutes of your life. What are you doing the other 60,000 hours? or probably more than that, probably closer to, you know, 180,000 hours between elections. Okay, 20 minutes, you're going to invest in a vote that submits itself to the law order of the Lord Jesus Christ as you submit that ballot. But uh, remember, there's everything else in life. So don't, don't forget about that. One more takeaway before we're done. It's interesting. I just call it interesting that uh, it's very popular today to call yourself an evangelical Christian, especially if you happen to be in the NFL and if you happen to be a quarterback for the NFL. (laughs) According to (laughs) poptheology.com, 75% of the quarterbacks in the NFL are professed evangelical Christians. By the way, it's doubtful they attend church, at least for a significant portion of the year, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Only because, well, professional football is played out on the Lord's Day. So, But it seems to be a very popular thing. And uh, you take the uh, Kansas City quarterback, Patrick Ahomas. He uh, professes an evangelical faith, but uh, don't watch the rest of his life. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Don't watch the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and then of course, CJ Stroud came out and thanked my Lord Jesus Christ in his most recent win against, uh, was it the Texans? Can't remember yeah. exactly which team uh, he played against, but, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, he, he plays on the Texans and he got yeah, uh, a 45, 14 victory over Cleveland. So very significant victory over Cleveland and acknowledged his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ also says that he always plays to the glory of God. So you know, the leading quarterbacks of the NFL right now are professing evangelical Christians. And I still think it's important for us to knock the watermelon a bit. I think we're at the point that, you know, we, I think we, we understand that the liberal Protestants, uh, the mainline denominations, had taken a hard left and had denied the law of God at every single point. They had undermined faith in the gospel, faith in miracles, things of that nature. 
And so, you know, by the time you've abandoned a biblical metaphysic, ethic, et cetera, et cetera, you're pretty much off the reservation. But what about the squishy evangelicals of the 2020s? That's the question I think we're all grappling with. And I do think that politics is a derivative of the breakdown of the Christian faith, the squishiness that's developing in which, uh, well, the modern Christian is less and less likely to want to follow Jesus and do everything he commands. Jesus said at one point, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do anything I tell you to do. And I, I think that's the, the point at which uh, we, need to, we need to drive this home with the evangelical voters in the present day. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations broadcast. This is Kevin Swanson and uh, Steve Vaughn inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.